So good morning, everybody. I'd like to thank the pastorate for another opportunity to share God's word. God's word is always new. It's ever fresh. It might be like, oh, we've said this before, but it's still God's word and it is always new. Hallelujah. So today I'm going to share something that I titled the immutability of God's word or God's promises or God's promise. The immutability of God's word or God's promise. I want to read Hebrews chapter 6 from verse 13. I'm reading the New King James Version. Hebrews chapter 6 from verse 13. The New KJV. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all disputes. Thus, God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us even jesus having becoming having become high priest forever according to the order of melchizedek praise god the immutability of god's word i know some people might begin to wonder which what does this mean what does immutable mean unchanging immutable means unchanging over time or unable to be changed immutability or unchangeability of god is an attribute that god is unchanging in his character will and covenant promises there is a saying that god is a spirit whose being wisdom power holiness justice goodness and truth are infinite eternal and unchangeable imitability is a property that is an attribute or quality or characteristic of something that belongs to the divine essence in the sense that god can neither gain new attributes which he didn't have before now, nor lose those already his. To put it bluntly, God doesn't grow. There is no increase or decrease in the divine being. He neither evolves nor devolves. 
and evolves you know what evolve means to develop gradually to mature you know the story of how a butterfly develops from lava to this to that or even the story of evolution in science where they said we people evoluted um, evolved from uh homo handilis to homo erectus to whatever that's science and that's by the way and we're saying he neither evolves nor devolves god doesn't do that devolve means to the opposite of evolve to pass into a different state especially a worse one he's god he is god going back to the passage we can see that god made a promise to abraham he told him he was going to bless him and multiply his descendants so i went back to genesis to check that and i read um, i wanted to check where god had promised abraham so genesis chapter 15 from verse 1 to 6 i'm reading the new living translation sometime later the lord spoke to abraham in a vision and said to him do not be afraid, Abraham, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord told, said to him, No! Your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. We could see the conversation between Abraham and God. God promised Abraham many good things, many good things. For God, he already had a plan for Abraham, and children were a part of his plan. Abraham, however, couldn't see beyond his childless state at that time, and even told God that the main thing he wanted was the child, and he was yet to have it. He must have been bothered about how Eliza was going to inherit all he had. It brings to mind all the different pictures that the devil paints in people's minds when going through a delay, process, a storm, or a hard time. Most times, these times might look bleak and trying, <laughs> and even look like is there, is, there's no end to it, even no light at the end of the tunnel. But just know that there is light at the end of that tunnel. Back to Abraham. He told God, you have given me no son. One of my servants will be my heir. But God stopped that flow of thought. He told him with all authority, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then God showed him the stars, told him to count the stars if he could. I believe this was necessary to change the picture Abraham already had about him his future this means we need to ask ourselves some questions what are we seeing what pictures do we have about our future or our lives 
what are we saying about those issues? What comes out of our mouth concerning them? What has God said about it? Either to you directly or through his word or through his prophets confirming what he has already told you. Verse 6 says, And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Do you really believe what God has said? I was thinking about it and wondering, how exactly did God know that Abraham actually believed him? I thought about it. How did he know that he had actually believed him? And I, I, I feel that something must have shifted. There must have been a shift. There's a way to tell if you're really in faith about something or you're just mouthing it. Something must have shifted. I mean, if God himself says and declares something, <laughs> I will believe it. There is no other option. There is no other thing. There is no other action to take than to believe it. His antecedents has shown it. He is God. Look at the story of creation. When God declared a thing, it came to pass. Or well, let me put it this way. When God spoke things to be, they didn't have a choice but to be. Let me say that again. When God declared a thing, it came to pass. When God spoke things to be, they didn't have a choice but to be. Or they don't have a choice but to be. To be means to exist. If you're looking at the past participle of it, it's like it was done. Once God spoke it, it was done. So, if the person that speaks things into existence speaks, it means that thing doesn't have a choice but to exist. If the person that speaks things into existence speaks, it means that that thing doesn't have a choice but to exist. Likewise, if he speaks that something will not exist, <laughs> that thing also cannot exist. It or it ceases. It ceases to exist. Fast forward to Genesis chapter 17. From verse 1 to 8. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abraham fell face down to the ground. Then God said to him, This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abraham. Instead, you will be called Abraham, 
for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan, where you now live as a foreigner, to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever, and I will be their God. <laughs> this passage was a powerful one. It was like God was reiterating what he had already told him earlier. This time, he even did a naming ceremony. He even did a naming ceremony. <laughs> Permit me to say that. Where Abraham's name was changed to Abraham. That is, father of many nations. Or father of multitudes. Imagine a 99-year-old man whose name just changed. <laughs> it must have been a bit challenging. I mean, apparently, Abraham means high father in Hebrew. Then it was changed to father of nations or multitudes. There's no way that won't have, impact, have impacted his life one way or the another. He was also a constant reminder of God's promise or God's word to him. It was an everlasting covenant. It is an everlasting covenant. It can change and won't change. Because of this covenant God made with Abraham, by extension, it applied to Sarah too. And of course, we also genesis 17 from verse 15 to 21 the sarah part of it then god said to abraham regarding sarah your wife her name will no longer be sarah from now on her name will be sarah and i will bless her and give her a son and give you a son from her yes i will bless her richly and she'll become the mother of many nations kings of nations will be among her descendants then abraham bowed down to the ground but he laughed to himself in disbelief how could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, um, may Ishmael live under your special blessing? But God replied, no. Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac. And I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as, everlast and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. As for Ishmael, I will bless him also, just as you have asked. I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. He will become the father of 12 princes and I will make him a great nation and all that. By this time, we all know that Abraham had already given birth to Ishmael. So when God told him Sarah was going to have a child, he had a hard time aligning. He had a hard time aligning with it because according to man's wisdom or natural laws, it seemed impossible. Maybe he thought God made a mistake. Was it a slip of the tongue? At least God had spoken to him before now. <laughs> With God, there is no mistake. It is never a slip of the tongue. When God says it, it is. Or let me use, pardon me to say, it be. When God says it, it be. When Abraham started looking at circumstances around him, age, Sarah's age, and of course, well, he had his, his plan B, which was Ishmael. He even tried to tell God about his plan B. 
since he thought God's word or promise was too late in coming, or maybe was a slip of tongue. Well, God had, God had to make him align again. And God once again confirmed his covenant with him. In verse 19, God replied, No, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac. <laughs> I remember when we were trusting God for the fruit of the womb, or when we were waiting for the manifestation of what God had already promised us. Uh, there was a time in 2019, after I had another miscarriage, at this point, <laughs> I was tired. As in, this is a journey that we had started since 2008 and all that, you know. I knew all God had promised us through his word. Men of God had confirmed it, camp meetings and other channels. Even if we leave all that, God's word says it. He commanded it, be fruitful and multiply. So I know it was according to his will and he had already said it. But it looked like it wasn't going as planned. I was truly fed up at this juncture, especially since the loss was still very fresh. I'm talking about 2019. This was about the fifth loss. I was telling my husband that are you sure I'll be able to carry any child to term? I remember him telling me, yes, you will. I know the covenant I have with God. I know what God told us. His word is true. His promise is sure. We have rejoiced. We have it already. Imagine telling a woman that just lost a child to rejoice because God had done it already. <laughs> he was so sure of God's promise. I was also sure of God's promise. But at that time, my emotions were getting the better of me. I needed a realignment and another picture to set me back on course. Was it easy? No. Was God's word and promise true? Yes. Had God said it? Yes. Was it bid? As in B, was it, did it exist? Yes. Was it looking like it? No. Can we rely on him? Yes. Hebrews 6.15 says, Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. God even gave him, gave a time frame. He said, by this time next year. And indeed, it happened at that exact time. However, we should also be reminded that God is not bound by our own time, but his word it is everlasting. Hebrews 6.13 tells us that since that God, since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name. I mean, People usually swear by a higher authority. But who would God swear by? He did by himself. The oath is binding by God. If you have received his promise, you know he's never changing his mind. 
look at what he did for us by sending his only son to die on the cross for us. That is why we are all here. This whole story of salvation was part of his plan and the big picture. Imagine something that started from Abraham several years after there, it went through different people, David, blah, 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 till the New Testament and Jesus was born and all that. It was all part of the plan. He had given his word. Our salvation is without repentance. He has given it to us and there is no going back. Likewise, all he has given us alongside this new covenant we have with him. He can't be taken back. He gave us his word. His word is binding. It can't be changed. It is immutable. It is immutable. The Bible says it is impossible for God to lie. He has sworn by himself and given his vow. He's not going back on it. In fact, he can't. It's not, it's not like, oh, maybe he, he can't go back on it. It is not his nature. It is not God's nature. Once he has said it, it exists. Pardon me again. It be. Once he has said it, it must be. Jesus has already paid the price. It is irredeemable. So, what is that promise? What is that word you have received from God? Does it look like it isn't coming to pass? Let me tell you again. If it is God, then it has already been. <laughs> because he doesn't change his mind. He's not a man. I can decide to say, ah, ah, this person calls me and says, oh, please, I need so, 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 so. Ah, don't worry, I'm going to transfer the money. And then a need arises for me and I'm like, ah, I better go. My, me first. I'm sorry, I may not be able to. I can decide to change my mind. Your family can decide to change your mind. Your uncle can decide to change their mind. But God doesn't change his mind. He is immutable. His word is unchanging over time. It can't be changed by anything, any circumstance, condition, time, or person. The promise he made from inception has not lost its value and won't change and can't change. He gave both his promise and his oath, and he can't lie. We can therefore be courageous and strong. We have trusted God to keep us secure in him. We can also be sure of his good plans for us. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. He said he has a plan and a hope taking us to that expected end. He's taking us to that expected end. He has already said it. 
He's taking us there. Hence, we expect to receive the good things that he has promised to give us. We can be completely sure about those good things. Those good things that we hope to receive. We are secure in him. We are safe with him. We can rely on his word. It is an anchor. It is our anchor. It keeps us grounded. No shaking. <laughs> you know, like a ship. When a ship is, um, how do they normally put it now? By the shore, in order for the ship not to just um, move around or dance on the water or all that, they drop an anchor into the water. The anchor is usually very, very heavy. Heavy. It keeps the ship in one place. It's grounded. It's not. It's not going anywhere. It's grounded. We cannot be anxious, like Pastor Darius said yesterday. Place a scriptural value on yourself. Place a scriptural value on yourself. God has placed a high value on us. He has given us his word. God can be separated from his from, God can be separated from his word. He and his word are one. Picture it. Is his word separate from him? No. He is God. Once you see God's word, or hear God's word, or receive God's word, you have received him. You can't separate the two. He and his word are one. He has sworn by himself and given us an oath. <laughs> this is enough for us. This is enough for us. Let us live our lives with this as our anchor. Let us live our lives with this as our anchor, being sure, being convinced, aligning ourselves over and over whenever we seem to want to drift. That anchor keeps us grounded. God's word, God's promise, the oath, the covenant, what he has said, his promise, his antecedents, over the years, over and over and over, he is unchanging. That is enough for us. Let us live our lives with this as our anchor. God's word is immutable. I'll say that again. God's word is immutable, unchanging, unchanging. Praise God. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that you have given unto us. Thank you for that promise that will never change. We appreciate it and we will continue to live by it because we know that your word is immutable. Amen. Have a great day, brethren.
Bye.